0: What's better than this, guys? The dudes on the Draft Youth podcast, presented by Locked Don. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Crab from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this edition of the show. Coming to you live from Indianapolis, well, not live, but uh, coming to you from Indianapolis.
1: Well, as kind
0: yeah, kind of. It's yeah. What do we? This is the weirdest scenario we've ever been in to record a podcast.
1: Yeah, this is the hybrid. Studio recording, on-site recording, so here's the deal. I think you guys will appreciate this as you're listening to it. Joe and I are probably sitting, what, 50 yards away from each other right now?
0: My back is to you, so I actually have no idea where you are.
1: Well, yeah, so we are, we're in the same room, but uh, we're, we're at the convention center where the NFL Combine media room and the hall is. But we're trying to record because after we're done this, we got to go to dinner, and then we got content to write. So we're up against the clock for time. So we said, okay, let's go out and put some space between us, and we're recording via Skype on our cell phone. So today's episode of the draft is, is sponsored by Skype. Thanks, Skype.
0: Yeah, making it happen. Making it happen. Today was fun, man. It was,
1: uh, you know, not first only, day at the Combine.
0: Yeah, my first day at the Combine. It was a good time to uh, – we spent a lot of time in interviews with head coaches, general managers, and uh, as you guys can see on thedraftnetwork.com, we, we wrote a lot of pieces reflecting what we learned in those press conferences. And so Kyle and I wanted to kind of take this podcast and talk about some of the key takeaways that we had. And so I guess uh, you and I will just kind of go back and forth and share uh, some of the big takeaways.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds great. So, Joe, um, since this is your first combine, you are queued up first. You have to start.
0: Uh, you know, I, I did the, the Ravens. Presser, and it was Harbaugh and Decosta back to back. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've had this idea that the Baltimore Ravens were going to potentially draft a wide receiver in the first round. And it's interesting that Harbaugh, when he was asked about, you know, building the receivers around Lamar Jackson, he immediately started talking about how unsuccessful Baltimore has been drafting receivers, but then quickly pointed out some of the veterans that they've been able to acquire throughout the years in Derek Mason, Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith. And it led me to believe that, hey, maybe we need to not think about wide receiver for the, for the uh, Ravens in the first round. And yeah, they maybe could draft some,
1: another tight end instead.
0: Well, he was very excited about his two tight ends. But, uh, yeah, I mean, think about those veterans and some of those uh, types of pieces that they may go after just because it sounds like they were kind of he was kind of like, well, look, we've had a lot more success going after uh, you know, veterans, and so uh, maybe maybe it's time to start thinking about that course uh, for the Ravens when it comes to the draft and how they're going to attack this offseason.
1: The, uh, the Belichick model, right? Bill said, I'm not going to draft wide receivers in the first round anymore. I'm going to let other guys find out who can play, and then I'll trade for them. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. so then it's like, which, well, which ones, right? So that's going to be the, the interesting piece of this. And I know it's interesting because there's some, like, there's some underperforming receivers like Josh Doxon, like Devontae Parker. Right. So it's like, do those do those guys really have value? Are those, I mean, that's not Bolden or Mason or Smith, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what type of veterans, you know, maybe Harbaugh had in the back of his mind when making those comments.
1: You know what I thought was cool from Harbaugh's presser, I happened to overhear this, uh, he was talking about Brashad Perryman. And yeah. he offered a lot of praise for Brashad and said, Brashad, you know, did everything absolutely right. He was a consummate professional, and uh, his timing was just wrong. And he said he was happy to see Brashad go on to have some success in the, the couple of games that he played with Cleveland this year. I thought that was a really cool kind of shout-out.
0: It was cool, and then he was also very dismissive of the idea that he would come back.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, he shot that one down real quick.
0: Would a new and improved Brashad Perriman interest you? Nah, dude.
1: <laughs> heart pass, heart pass. Right. Okay, so I did the, um, where I guess we're staying purple. Minnesota Vikings were a team that I did today and, and Rick Spielman spoke today and Mike Zimmer speaks tomorrow and Rick Spielman talking about, uh, the, the acquisition of Gary Kubiak as the assistant head coach and, uh, offensive, uh, consultant for the Vikings after they kind of fell flat on their face, bringing in Kirk cousins and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he, he talked about why Minnesota coveted Kubiak so much. And he talked about, uh, Kubiak's, you know, ability to work with quarterbacks, but more specifically, his expertise in the outside outside zone rushing offense, and that to me was like the big jackpot, like on the top of the slot machine going off. Like finally, we we got like a really nice tip off here that Minnesota needs to address the interior offensive line, and we know what kind of guys. So if you're mocking guys like Elton Jenkins to the Minnesota Vikings you got to stop because as an outside zone guy, you need that lateral mobility. Uh, I'm looking at Garrett Bradbury from NC State as one. I'm looking at Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. There are guys that play on the interior in this year's class that can move and succeed in that outside zone rushing system and knowing that this is what Minnesota wants to do offensively. They want to play outside zone you got to start pegging those kind of guys to Minnesota and stop playing power guys there.
0: Yeah, and, and I, you know one thing you and I had talked about with the idea of Bradbury or whoever, if it's a center, don't get hung up on the Pat Elfline thing, like he can play guard. I don't, I don't have any can play
1: guard just fine in Ohio State.
0: Yeah, he can do it just fine in the NFL, so uh, All right, I'll go on to my next one here. I did the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Duke Tobin their director of player personnel as well as head coach Zach Taylor and uh, it was an interesting session I, it was you know the the story with them kind of going in was the idea of trading John Ross and I mean Tobin could not have been quicker to dismiss that he said we've never talked about it internally we've never talked about it externally we're very excited about him and what he can be for us and it's he season it, Joe He called it fake news. It's and then and then of course uh, Taylor was asked about it, and he straight up said, "Look, I scouted him when I was uh, 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 for the Rams, and uh, you know I'm familiar with him as a prospect, and I'm really excited about what he could be for our offense." And so they were they were pretty much uh, very much committing to John Ross. But as you said, Kyle, it is lying season. Uh, So so we'll have to to keep that in mind, uh, you know, to see. You know, look, the right offer could come along, come along, and then we'll just have to forget all these wonderful comments that they made. Uh, I guess my other big takeaway from that presser uh, specifically was uh, just how much it seemed that that they believed in. They have this like trio, their big three of Tyler Boyd. It's obviously AJ Green, at least for next year. But they were very high on Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and positive. I would say about Andy Dalton, and so. You know, We we think about maybe the Bengals as as a quarterback team. It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a clean opportunity. But Mm -hmm. uh, when Tope was asked about the quarterbacks this year, he said, look, I'm early getting into those guys, but it's not very deep at the top. And so there could be a lot of smoke from this Bengals presser. That's kind of my big thought. We'll see, though.
1: All right, so I guess my question for you, before I move on to my next one, this is your first year at the Combine. You've always told me you really enjoy – when college coaches get hired watching the introductory pressers and getting kind of like the the pulse on that team and that coach and that that vision. Are you enjoying this process as far as the first day of the NFL combine, which some some folks in the media like they're like, oh whatever I could take it or leave it. You know, like nobody's doing any testing, there's no player interviews. But getting a chance to talk to or, and listen to essentially all 32 teams and in one sitting and get a vibe for their franchises. Do you find that as enjoyable?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm always been a press conference junkie, whether it's, you know, at games that I go to, I always stay and do pressers, Uh, whether it's, you know, senior bowl, other, you know, other things that I've had a chance to attend where there's uh, access. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this is a really unique opportunity to kind of have like coaches and GM stacked on top of each other, one after the other, and really, dig in and be part of that process so yeah I'm a big press conference guy I I, I think it's you know you only get so many opportunities to have real interactions with these people and really gauge them and and I really I think that's meaningful for me as an analyst
1: yeah certainly and us you know being guys that cover the draft uh, understanding what the mentalities are and then being able to extrapolate those things and, and place players with teams is an extremely helpful piece of that process so uh, like you said the value here is is tremendous and it's a really fun experience uh if you are you know somebody who's looking to get into sports meeting you have the opportunity to come to combine come to the combine and come early and stay late it's a great time um i did the miami dolphins this morning joe first presser of the day along with mike mayock and uh shouts to Brian Flores. He was actually on his podium before Mike Mayock. So Flores kicked off the whole combine this year and it was 30 minutes of saying the exact same stuff he said in his introductory press conference the day he got hired by the dolphins, but he did offer a few interesting things. There were two things that I really took away and I, I appreciate it. I said this to you already, but Flores talked about, uh, the combined window is very valuable, not just for the 2019 NFL draft, but two or three years down the, lo- down the line in this, this process right now can establish positive correlations that the, the decision makers have versus players that are going to be going into the league. And if these guys make themselves available, whether that's via trade or they get cut or whatever – and the team had a, a good interview, you know that, that connection is going to stick with these guys, and they have this long-term view of this short-term process, which I think is well, very smart, you know, because while players and their conditions and situations may change, at the end of the day, there's no such thing as too many data points with these guys. So I really appreciated that view of the Dolphins, an organization that has felt like they've been short-sighted for quite a while now, And the other thing that stood out for Flores' press conference was he was getting pressed a little bit about, you know, give us some traits. What do you like at a certain position? And and people asked him about quarterback. the first thing that he said was mobility. thought that was interesting. Now, with that said, there's different kinds of mobility, right? There's scrambling mobility. There's pocket mobility. So he didn't specify. But he said the ability to move, and as somebody who's watched Ryan Tannehill be the quarterback of my team for the last seven years, I'm going to appreciate if they successfully go out and get somebody who can maneuver within the pocket or can make plays happen and doesn't look so frantic doing it as a runner the way that Ryan did during his tenure in Miami. So uh, that pocket mobility thing that they're going to target, he apparently had at the very forefront of his mind for what he wants in quarterback, I think is a nice development and a nice progression away from what Miami fans have experienced for so long.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly interesting, and I I caught the first—I don't know—15 minutes of that Flores presser, and he's he's a culture guy, man. He's 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 not going to give you much in these pressers, but uh, Uh, he wants hard
1: work, hard workers, smart football players, smart, tough football players who work hard. That's I'm sure he's great in the locker room and with players. Though, oh, I have I have no question. I think that's really the appeal with Flores is he understands how to connect with players and and, you know kind of push them. I think that that external side of him is very different than the one you see inside the locker room and on a day to day basis there, I think you're absolutely right.
0: we got to talk about dave gettleman i I caught this presser man and uh he's, he's just a trip, something isn't
1: he? yeah, he's, he's a something
0: trip. else at the podium he's you know he he goes well, well we got to talk about these quarterbacks and uh, <laughs> he's just funny, but here's the thing, man, he said straight up he says. I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. But football is a big man's game, and that applies to all positions. And I think we've got to get—you know—we talk about it being line season for a lot of these teams. I'm not sure Dave Gettleman's lying about anything. I think that he is
1: very much Cody four in at six locked in.
0: Well, it's uh, here's the thing: it's just not going to be Kyler Murray. It's not going to be a quarterback. I just I'm he and he talked about Eli. He said, "Look." He said, uh, "He says you ever tell a lie so many times, you start to believe it." He says that's the deal with Eli Manning. The narratives around him are that everything is so negative, and uh, he says I don't think that's fair. And he says everyone needs to be able to uh, take a fresh look uh, at Eli and reassess. And um, you know, it seemed like he was very like in on Eli Manning. And so, um, you know, I'm not I'm not convinced. I, I, I think they should. I think if Haskins is there, I think they should take him. But. Uh, I'm not convinced they're going to. And so that was my big takeaway from Dave Gutteman is that uh, you, when you're thinking about players for the, the giants, they better be, they better have the right, the requisite size. Yeah, they for the better position. be
1: prototypes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's not going to take a quarterback. if He doesn't believe in him, and, and, and he didn't believe in any of them last year. And uh, it doesn't sound good for this year either.
1: Giants, big board, top two, Jawan Taylor, Cody Ford, lock it in. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Right. Like, just, if, they, if they went edge rusher, like, do you think there would be one? Because I, I did a spot with Giants.com today and they asked me about the edge rushers, and I wasn't super sure that Cleveland. there would be one that would meet their thresholds. Maybe
1: Farrell? Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. That's the one that kind of stands out to me. Now, my last takeaway from pressers today was uh, I watched both. Uh, Matt LaFleur and Brian uh their press conferences, and they talked a lot about what they wanted to do to get this offense back on track. They were asked a lot about the running backs, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are both there, and uh, LaFleur talked about how it's similar to what you saw Atlanta do with Freeman and Coleman and what you saw the Rams do this past year. With Gurley and CJ Anderson, and what you saw uh, the Titans do, which, which was Lafleur was there this past year with uh, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, and the two back system. He said, We need two backs who can go. But his whole theme was, We are going to take this offense back to the ground, which is a bold strategy when your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, right? And, uh, I thought that was very interesting that this is, this is the plan that they're selling this is, is going to say, we're getting, putting the ball in Aaron's hands less. We're going to run the ball more. We're going to use that run quote unquote. And people are going to clutch their hearts at this. If they don't believe this to be true, which I personally am not a huge subscriber of you quote unquote, have to run to set up the pass. You have to have the threat of the run to set up the play action pass, um, but that, that seems to be the philosophy that they have. And they, they really want to uh, commit to a more well-balanced offense. And I think that's fine. And then uh came out and was talking about how he's looking forward to seeing what Jimmy Graham can do for them this year. And he had a rebound from stats with the exception of productions versus 2017 with the Seahawks and his touchdowns went from 10 to two. Um, I would really love to see Noah fan on this team. I know Hawkinson's going to be a popular mock pick, but I don't think Hawkinson's going to be there when they're on the clock at that pick. And uh, no offense to Jimmy Graham. Wait, are that you time, talking about 12? No, 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 no. I'm talking like, like maybe 29. Right? Yeah, okay, that's,
0: that second. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, that,
1: that second first round pick. I really think that that's a really attractive pairing to put him behind Jimmy Graham. Let him kind of learn from a guy who did a lot of those same things as a receiving threat tight end. And then let him run loose. And if you want to pound the ball, hey, that's fine. We got we got no offense running play action scene up the scene.
0: Uh, real quick, last thought I want to give you is I did the sure. uh, the Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy Chicago Bears presser. Yeah, and, uh,
1: tape, renowned per- tape grinder Matt Nagy.
0: Well, here's did you're you hear gonna this? this is gonna be, uh, I've not heard this, but
1: he went on NFL Network and said he needs to keep grinding the tape.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well,
1: stealing my brand.
0: Well, that's interesting. You can you should have talked to him about that today. He yeah, told this him stay is, away from my brand. This is going to trigger. This is going to be very much away from your brand. This is going to trigger you. Okay. Uh, so he was talking. He was t- he was talking about the uh, like right off the bat, like what uh, they're about the rushing attack and uh, that they're trying to discover their identity as you know in their run game. Mm -hmm. And he said, one thing that I I will tell you that uh, the identity of our run game will not be is a workhorse back running the football 20, 25 times a game, specifically talking about Jordan Howard. Howard. He said, hey, we're just we're trying to figure out how to factor him in. it seems like he was very like up in arms about like what to do with Jordan Howard and basically said straight up, we're not going to have a 20, 25 carry a game. God, that's not going to be our identity.
1: Kathleen, you need to trade Jordan Howard somewhere where he will be appropriately appreciated.
0: That's going to be interesting. I feel feel like that's a real possibility.
1: I think it's an absolute possibility.
0: What do you like? He was like in the top three in rushing in the league in the first two years.
1: Yeah, yeah, thousand yard rusher his first two seasons in the league. And it's uh, your
0: year. I mean, he's he's in a contract year, right? So like, yeah, year four. You gotta you gotta do something. I mean, right,
1: and the odds are you're not going to resign him because you don't know what to do with him. So, I mean, I'd be going up there on the podium and talking up the shit out of Jordan Howard. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to use Jordan 30 times a game and da 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 and then see what the, the trade offers get you. Uh, you know, that's, I, like, I would have played that a little differently, but that's okay. He said the opposite, yep. Well, it's lying season. They're going to give him 30 carries. That's what he's telling folks behind closed doors. Lock it in. Guaranteed. Make sure you guys all lock it in and come on back to the Draft News podcast again tomorrow. Uh, Joe and I, I think we're going to plan ahead. We'll probably have a different microphone situation, so yeah. we hope you guys didn't, didn't mind the, uh, the uh, audio recording today, but we are uh, desperate times and desperate measures and trying to get this out in a timely fashion to all of you. So thank you for carving some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Come on back. Let us know if there's things you want us to keep an eye out for here at the Combine. We're both here, along with the rest of the draftnetwork.com. That is uh, Joe Marino at the Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, at Grinding the Tape. Thanks, as always. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.